Hi everybody, it's uh, Stefan Molyneux from, well, do I really have to say it? I think not. It is, I think, August the 11th to uh, 009, 009, License to Thrill. And I hope you're doing very well. This is uh, a confidence cast, which I think is uh, perhaps a long overdue, but I think worth having a talk about. Now, I am, by nature, by training, and by, I think, a pretty fair and consistent commitment to integrity, a very cautious soul about making positive statements, um, certainty statements. And I think that's, I mean, I think that's the mark of a kind of important intellectual maturity and all those other kinds of good things. And so I wanted to... And so, so I've spent a lot of my time really focusing on, um, you know, tentative things. You know, when I say a lot of things are very tentative, oh, things aren't proven, I think I may have slain the beast of uh, uh, ethics, and I'm not sure, and, you know, this is my best attempt, and this is not a fact, this is only a theory, and this is my opinion, and right, so I'm very tentative when it comes to putting things forward. And... That uh, is is a lot of what I do, because, of course, when I'm pushing, and, and I say, you know, when I say I, I really do mean we here, because this is a communal effort, and you are part of what it is that's going on here. Uh, this is not <laughs> a one-man band, right? This is a symphony of everyone, because I can't be any smarter than the listeners, and the listeners are damn, damn, damn smart. Um, so it is a communal effort, and I want to be sort of very clear about that, um, that it's certainly not just me, and I think that we can all take credit for a lot of what is going on here, if not most of it. I'm sure the blame lies with me, but the credit lies with everyone. So when I'm pushing the, the edges of philosophy, you know, expanding the territory of the known, so to speak, I am tentative. Certainly when I'm dealing with topics of, of self-knowledge and introspection and so on, uh, there is not, uh, there's not certainty uh, to, to be had in, in the sort of syllogistical Aristotelian or scientific manner, which is not to say that such things are not of great value, if not enormous value. Uh, there's no scientific algorithm to prove what is a great song, but most of us will know it when we hear it. There's not a scientific algorithm to prove what is a great poem or a great novel, but that does not mean that there's no difference between dime store fiction and Ayn Rand, right? So a lot of the greatest riches in life are in the non-syllogistical, non-scientific realm, and that's, I think, that blend of the two uh, of, a, of a great respect for science as well as a... Um, a great respect for the metaphor of the internals, the metaphor of the unconscious and of dreams and of self-knowledge in this area, I think is, is what gives FDR its power. And so I'm pushing at the edges of things and trying to expand definitions and trying to, uh, you know, turn the lights off in formerly dark and largely abandoned cities to bring them growling back to life. And there's a lot of tentativeness in what it is that I do. Now, that having been said, uh, I think it's also important when we are hacking our way through dense and overwhelming 
obstacles and, and foliage and so on, that we also look back and see and remark upon and map and internalize, accept, respect and honor the ground that has been covered. And it's, you know, I just, the other day, I just happened to notice when I was reviewing my YouTube info that my YouTube account was open, opened August the 9th, 2006. Uh, three and a sliver years ago, right? And uh, videos in total, uh, almost two million views. And that's not bad, right? That's not too shabby at all. And it's really only been a couple of years. So I wanted to talk about some of the things that I think we have fairly squared away. And, you know, with a minor bit of tentativeness, you know, generally open to discussion. I mean, there are some things that to me are not open to discussion. Um, reality, uh, self-ownership. I mean, these things can't be objected to without being accepted. So I just, just, just don't bother with stuff like that. It's just silly. And uh, logic uh, and logic uh, as a uh, synonym or to some degree a subset of, of UPB. Uh, that uh, is something which, you know, I just have to accept. Uh, the need for a reason and evidence, uh, right? Validity of the senses, all things like that. These are just things that I'm you know, happy and willing to uh, accept, and you really can't do philosophy without them, so um, I just, uh, you know, those things are just givens, right? And, and so, you know, we've got a lot squared away in that area. But let's take, and this is just off the top of my head, there may be other things that I've missed, but let's just have a brief look back at the incredible ground that we have covered over the past few years, which is a tiny slice in the nearly 3,000 year history of philosophy, right? Three years out of 3,000 is one-tenth of one percent of the history of philosophy. And I think that we can be justly proud of the progress that we've made in the realm of philosophy. And by philosophy, I don't just mean the abstract topics and the syllogistical topics, but philosophy is founded on the principle of know thyself. Know thyself. The unexamined life is not worth living. And by life, that is meant internal life, self-knowledge, to a large degree, as well as, of course, life as a, as a whole, life in general. Let me just check my sweetums. It's not getting sleepy. So, let's have a look at uh, what we've done sort of since the beginning. Well, we have fleshed out to a moral certainty and a great degree of practical detail the case for and the description of a stateless society. Now, I'm not saying that that is... Certainly, we're not the first group to work on that. Of course, right? This goes back to many, many thinkers before us. Actually, not many, many. Some thinkers before us. But I think that the 
the explication of the system through the early podcasts and also with Practical Anarchy is, uh, answers the vast majority of questions that people will have about the functionality of a society in the absence of a state. That's remarkable. That is a remarkable achievement to, to gather together in a series of podcasts and articles and, and uh, a book. That's uh, a remarkable achievement, and we don't get a huge number of questions. right? The, the, the achievements that we have can be measured in the diminishment of questions with regards to the topic. And so we started with the stateless society, an examination of alternatives, and that is... Uh, that is an amazing achievement to have successfully answered the majority of the major questions to, as to how a stateless society will work. Fantastic. Just amazing. Opened people's minds, blowed peop blown people's minds. And it's not that that is the be-all and end-all and we've answered all the questions, but what we've put in place is a methodology of asking and answering such questions. Right? So someone says, well, who would provide this? It's like, well, if you were a DRO, how would you provide it and how would you overcome customers' objections and so on, right? I mean, it's just a great, great, great achievement. And uh, we have also uh, proven the workability of anarchy, right? This is particular through everyday anarchy, but there was, this was talked about to some degree earlier on. Through looking at how a statist democracy works, which is through the enforcement of unwritten contracts, that democracy itself relies and, and subsists only on the worst possible form of anarchy that you could have, which is a black market under the table, no contract anarchy, and it works beautifully. So that is something, uh, we have a proof for anarchy, which uh, uh, is incontrovertible, because uh, democracy does limp along and these contracts are enforced, though they are never written down. How much more powerful would these contracts be? Which the state cannot enforce, right, these contracts. How much more powerful would these contracts be if they were able to be open and above board and so on? We have, you know, great and largely nonviolent solutions through economic ostracism to the problem of violence within a state of society. That, I mean, geez, that's an incredible achievement in and of itself. A proof for anarchy a compelling and explanatory description and a methodology for thinking about solutions within a stateless society. I mean, that's the intellectual work of <laughs> almost a generation uh, in many ways. And that's something that in the conversation and, you know, through the generosity of people who've allowed me to write these books, uh, we have uh, solved in terms of the methodology and a vivid and compelling and accurate description of how things can work. So, amazing, amazing, amazing. Now, oh, here's Mr. Motorbike Bicyclist. So, I mean, again, that's just something to be enormously, enormously proud of. Now, another topic that we started off pretty early was the question of gods, religion, superstition. And we have mown down an enormous amount of objections with regards to the existence or non-existence of God. Well, objections to the non-existence of God. Right, so we, yeah, early podcasts, uh, one recommended, if you haven't listened to it, I've been meaning to do it as a video, is Power of Virtue, A Love Story. Explication of the Garden of Eden myth. 
um, the uh, the early podcasts on on atheism, uh, the the later podcast uh, series on agnosticism, which is a truly foul and challenging beast to wrestle to the ground, and uh, a, uh, a sort of very deep and and important and powerful series of conversations for the principles of strong atheism. Not, oh, there's a little, little, little bit of X, Y, and Z, uh, a possibility, I'm 99.9% .9 sure there are no gods, and so on. But the strong atheist position, which is to say, no, square circles do not exist. Gods do not exist. If they exist, they are subject to the laws of reality and science, and if the laws of reality and science cannot detect them, then that's synonymous with non-existence. We've fought off successfully, I do believe, the... Uh, you know, other dimension nonsense. And uh, so in the realm of religion, we've really worked hard to affirm the strong atheist position, which I believe is the only position that will ever work to rid the world of religion. I, I, if you give them a tiny percentage point out, then they relax and say, well, there's a chance. Right? right, to take a grim metaphor... You know, parents will continue to hope for the survival of a missing child until the body is found, right? Strong atheism is finding the body, right? Then in the DNA tests and the dental records, and right, then the parents can grieve and give up. But as soon as there's that other chance, they continue to hope. And uh, again, not not the kindest of metaphors, but I think you understand that you you, you know, the weak atheist position uh, is not going to end religion. You need a strong atheist position that takes no compromise and no quarter in the realm of the pursuit of truth. So that's another thing that we've worked really hard and with great integrity and great success to, to solve. Magnificent, amazing, wonderful, beautiful. And will be the salvation of the reason of future generations. Something to be incredibly and enormously proud of. Free will versus determinism. We have, uh, I mean, to me, it's a clincher in that last debate that I had, which has put out arguments that have not been rebutted, and which of course can't be rebutted. I mean, it's just a, you just can't rebut them. So we have uh, uh, solved that uh, a problem. And uh, again, that is a magnificent quagmire and swamp to have drained to lay down the concrete paths of clear reason on. I mean, it's fantastic, magnificent, amazing. You could work your whole life, finally crack that problem and consider yourself a monstrous intellectual success. And we have a as a community have hacked that one bits and that's something to be incredibly proud of the crown jewel so to speak in many ways the you know what happens when you have a commitment to philosophy and an acceptance of the rationality of strong atheism is the question of ethics and uh, UPB is great you know, it's uh, holding fast, holding strong. I'm still going to do another couple of videos on it. Those are on the list, and I apologize for the length of time it's taking, but I want to gather the uh, objections together. But, uh, you know, it's holding beautifully against, you know, fairly significant opposition and strenuous objections. And um, unfortunately, people aren't calling into the Sunday show to debate, but they sort of snipe from a distance, and that's fine. I mean, that just means that they're not confident in their position, which means that they don't have to be taken too seriously. A refusal to debate uh, or a refusal to raise objections live is, uh, you know, pretty dishonorable, in my opinion. But uh, anyway, so we've got 
UPB have solved the problem of secular ethics, rational ethics. I mean, holy smack on a shit on a stick. That's just amazing and incredible uh, to have achieved as a community. The uh, growth of, of corruption within the social institutional situations is something that we've also worked very hard to, to explicate, right? Uh, why is there evil and corruption in the world? Well, um, there are many ridiculous and retarded answers, right? Uh, determinism, which says it's not evil, uh, but suboptimal. <laughs> the, uh, the Catholic uh, position or you know, some Christian position, which says it's original sin, it's the temptations of Satan. Uh, the um, evolutionary or Dawkins position, which says, to paraphrase, um, it is uh, evolutionarily suboptimal to be evil, which doesn't really explain why evil exists, right? <laughs> because uh, if it was evolutionarily suboptimal for evil to exist, then the fact that it exists and dominates uh, does not uh, exactly answer the case. In fact, evil can be extraordinarily optimal in terms of biology. Extraordinarily optimal. What is it? A quarter of Asiatics can be traced back to uh, the gene pool of Genghis Khan, right? I mean, conquest and rape are extraordinarily successful in terms of spreading genes. But so, so there's lots of non-answers or bad answers or half answers or pseudo answers. But damn, we've got a really great, uh, great answer. And that, again, this is an amazing thing to have achieved. Again, if that was the only one thing that a generation of thinkers had achieved, that would be an incredible step forward. But it's just one of the many jewels in the crown, so to speak. So I think that and, and we don't have a huge number of questions or issues around ethics uh, anymore. And that, I think, is fantastic, magnificent, and wonderful. In terms of self-knowledge, right? And I think this is something unique that uh, I bring to the table in terms of I have a strong history in art, right? In terms of uh, a po a, a writing poems. Uh, I was an actor, a director, um, a playwright, a novelist, a short story writer, and so on. And so I have a great deal of respect for metaphor and the power of the unconscious. And the the sort of tripartite way of looking at the world and philosophy is to say, well, there's the objective world, there's the conscious mind, and there's the unconscious mind. And a, mis a misemphasis on, or a misallocation of emphasis on any of these creates uh, a, huge, a huge problem, right? Uh, if you say that the physical world is all that is, then you will very often become a determinist or a nihilist. If you say that the rational mind is all that exists, then you become uh, sort of a, an objectivist, right? Uh, and uh, with a lack of respect for the inner, deeper, richer uh, life. And if you simply focus on the unconscious, then you become a mystic, right? Because the unconscious is full of power and myth and metaphor and emotional and in energy and instinct. And you will tend to project that into the world and say that, uh, you know, when I'm talking to myself, I'm talking to my spirit guide or God or whatever, right? But we hold the tension between these three. We say reality exists, and the, the conscious mind is essential for philosophy, and the unconscious mind is essential for self-actualization, for authenticity. So we hold the tension. We don't give any one of these dominance. Uh, we hold the tension between them, and that is uh, called identity and truth. Uh, so that's amazing. We give, I mean, I've always given a great deal of respect to uh, people's impulses and dreams and instincts and so on, which is not to say that they're absolutes, but that they are essential aspects of information that we have uh, in, in building happiness, right? 
uh, the purpose of philosophy is happiness, which is a feeling, not a syllogism. Right? The syllogisms lead to the feeling. The purpose of medicine is not pills, but health, right? which is an experience. Right? We're heading back to the karmic redemption. And uh, so we've done all of that, uh, really worked on focus on, on the inner life and the uh, self-knowledge in that sense. The history, um, how early childhood experience leads, if unexamined and uncorrected, to the social corruptions of in the larger sphere. Amazing, incredible, wonderful, fantastic to trace that from the beginning to the end. The alpha and the omega of amorality and immorality is just amazing. And it gives us a path forward which allows us to achieve something real and tangible and productive in our own lives, which is magnificent. So, uh, focusing on our own histories, the, the potential dysfunctions within our own personal stories, uh, and what happened to us as children uh, gives us a way to move forward uh, in terms of building strength, happiness, uh, intimacy, honesty, and so on. Oh, wow, that is a one tiny little frog. That was a spider. So, again, magnificent, wonderful, amazing, beautiful, uh, what we've achieved as a community. And voluntarism in adult relationships, a uh, principle that is occasionally talked about by uh, libertarian and ANCAP theoreticians, uh, you know, the opposition to the non-aggression principle, which goes all the way from uh, recognition of the evils of child abuse to a commitment to not self-attack on, our, you know, on ourselves. Uh, again, that is all an extension of just valid and logical principles to uh, amazingly untied together spheres. I mean, this is the unified field theory of good and evil, right? Is, is childhood corruption all the way to institutional corruption and the insight that uh, people hold on to their beliefs, not out of adherence to those beliefs, but fear of the, reper- the, re- the social and immediate and personal relational repercussions of abandoning irrationalities. So again, something to be uh, amazingly proud of and, and, and thrilled with and you know, massive, uh, useful and empowering insights. F- frightening, of course, but massive, useful and empowering insights. So uh, again, that's all something to be, ma- I think, magnificently proud of in the realm of personal relationships, right? The, the fundamental commitment to honesty represented by real-time relationships the book, the podcast, and the theory as a whole, that we need to um, be honest about our experiences before inflicting hasty conclusions and generalizations on others, uh, to be honest about our experiences, to be honest about our experiences in the moment, because it's easy to be honest. Sorry, it's, it's easy to think you're being honest about your experiences in the past, but very often that is not really the case. We're actually not that honest about because it's clouded by Uh, the vagaries of memory and possibilities of manipulation. But when you're speaking to someone in the moment, in the present, then honesty is is extraordinarily powerful, and I would say absolutely necessary for any kind of intimacy and depth, right? So the practical, because, I mean, we're all about, at least I'm all about practical virtues here, virtues we can actually implement. Now, uh, things we've been right about, right? This is another, I mean, so, again, this is just something to look back upon and, and and to realize the extraordinary distance that we've come in the implementation of practical values. I think it's just something... So we're not always looking forward at the, at the next mountain we have to climb, but looking back at the mountains that we have successfully climbed uh, and taking some just pride in what has been achieved in this, in this amazing and very short-lived so far conversation 
which, you know, I'm going to be plugging at this for another 50 years. So we got three in a bit under our belt, and that is, uh, I guess it's coming up for four in a bit. Um, but that's something to be, you know, let's, let's, let's flop into an easy chair and uh, look back on the distance that we've traveled. Uh, I think that we have moved philosophy forward an unbelievable amount in just a few short years. And that is, I mean, obviously the brilliance of the community is central to that, but even more central to that is the amazing accessibility of the technology. And since there's great profit in falsehood, uh, this of course has created fear, loathing and opposition in the world, and that's inevitable, right? Every advance creates enemies because people profit off that which is retarded, right? So uh, there is uh, opposition for sure. And uh, there are a lot of people who would certainly prefer it if I stopped doing what I'm doing, and that's certainly their privilege and their right, so to speak. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to stop, of course not, because I see the uh, future generations who are so much in need of this, of these truths, of this information, of this methodology. So... That's, I just think, something else which we can be enormously proud of. We have a vibrant and positive community. Eh, you know, maybe there's always some person stalking around the boards who's fairly dickish, but, you know, out of thousands of members, it's not, not really that bad uh, at all. And so I think that's something to be, to be very, very proud of as well. Um, I mean, the new parenting stuff, I think, is really important, and I've got some very positive feedback on that. I think that's going to be very helpful for people in the long run and that's another thing which i think we can be enormously proud of and that's just the tip of the iceberg so far right so uh, you know understand that this is just starting out but that's another thing which um conversations about optimal child raising standards i think uh, our approaches is something else to be enormously proud of again that's practical and applied ethics which is the very core of uh, what it is that we're doing that philosophy in the abstract is uh well intellectual mackwackery of the first order so that's uh, something else right the, the family approach the parenting approach something else that we can be uh, enormously proud of providing moral clarity and uh, reminders of voluntarism to people in abusive relationships is also something to be enormously proud of and to the encouragement of people to uh, talk with abusers and to uh, get therapy and to remind them that they are not chained to these people forever is something which I'm enormously, enormously proud of. And uh, it is a way of reducing the impacts of evil in the world to remind people that they are not bound to uh, abusive people, that adult relations are voluntary, that therapy is essential, and that honesty with rela in relationships is, uh, is the only real definition of a relationship, right? Because Dishonesty in relationships is the equivalent of counterfeit currency in the, the economics, right? It's only the, the illusion of a transaction. It's not real. That's something else which we can be enormously, enormously, enormously proud of. Um, fighting off nihilism. Can we not be enormously proud of the conquest of nihilism? And for those who weren't around, we get these waves of certain kinds of people. I guess they email each other about a fresh group of potential victims on the web and we have waves of these people come in and we've had waves of nihilists come in and they've uh, left us alone right and that happened in particular after uh, I did a video on on nihilism but uh, that is uh, something else that we have uh, uh, taken down and that's yeah, it's a pretty powerful 
I mean, it's a pretty powerful movement, particularly among the modern youth, right? I mean, because the lack of religion and the lack of faith in the state has led a lot of people to cynicism and nihilism, which is something else that, that we fight to varying degrees. Uh, well, I think to a great degree of success, although sometimes to varying degrees of success within ourselves. And the opposition to politics, right? The prediction of the failures of statism, which I made many years ago, which are certainly coming true. Predictions of the failures of the uh, Ron Paul campaign and the lack of integrity among those, uh, which we've talked about before, uh, who, when told it would fail, pressed, said, well, it's all about education, but never measured the success of that. And looking at the hidden costs of having an anti-evolutionary creationist claim to represent libertarianism and economic common sense, uh, to explicate those has been very, very helpful. So, you know, we were kind of right about, uh, about all of that. And we were right about the continued growth of the state and uh, the imminence of the financial catastrophe that, uh, you know, is, is, is looming or certainly appears to be looming. So I think that's another thing where we took a stand and have been proven to be uh, correct, right? So again, that's just something else to be proud of, right? I mean, that was, uh, I mean, that Ron Paul stuff was, was taking a real stand against what was the great white, oh, so white hope of the libertarian movement. And um, that was not a popular stand at all. And that was a highly alienating stand, but uh, I think we've been proven pretty damn correct about all of that. And so that has been uh, something else to, to be proud of, right? Because again, it's just about showing courage uh, with rational principles and building credibility. So I think we can be enormously happy about that as well and uh, you know other things you know, relatively minor we hung in through the media storm and came out um, stronger I think uh, leaner and uh, fitter than ever which I think was uh, something which was great I mean that's uh, that was a, a fairly negative set of lasers that were pinpointing us and uh, I think the survival has been great the support and enthusiasm of uh, me getting out in front of people and doing the old speaky speak has been great um, you know, my first real presentation to a libertarian group was only in March, a couple of months ago, in, in Nashua, the Free State Project, the Liberty Forum. And then I did another one, I guess another two in Philly, just last month. And that has been uh, something to be, I think, very happy and proud of as well. Um, so, again, we could go on and on, and <laughs> I, uh, I do. But uh, I think that it's important to, to look back upon the personal successes and triumphs that uh, you know we've had individually and as a as a group you know we've put a lot of faith and i mean that in the best sense right but we've put a lot of faith in each other a lot of fundamental belief in each other it certainly has paid off in that i have i mean i put a lot of faith in in listeners to support uh, what it is that i was uh, initiating and that has paid off in that i have been able to to live and eat and uh, uh, wear clothing sadly uh, and so thank you again so much for everyone there uh, you all put a lot of faith in, in me, and uh, I hope that I have lived up to your expectations. I certainly have exceeded my own expectations, and that is always a thrill and an honor and something which is both uh, makes me proud and also humble, uh, because, of course, it makes me think about what else it is that I could do that I have not thought of as yet. So, uh, this is just, again, this is just a quick sprint through the amazing, amazing, amazing things that we have achieved as a community in a few short years, and we have decades more to go and I don't see the pace of innovation and growth uh, slowing down in particular it may happen 
but it doesn't really matter even if we never invent anything new we have achieved in my view more in a few years in terms of philosophy largely driven by the brilliance of the community and the technology that is available to us i think we have moved philosophy further ahead in a few years than it has managed in the last few thousand and uh, i think for that we should just be enormously proud because levers uh, sorry ideas are the biggest levers that exist and the degree to which we can bring these truths to future generations is the degree to which the world will change enormously productively proactively and for the better thank you so much so so much for all of your belief in what it is that i'm doing all of your participation all of your support onward and upward my brothers and sisters we still have new worlds to conquer